So when we catch up with the biblical story this morning, a lot has happened since last week. After Jacob hobbles on his way with more stagger than swagger, he becomes the father of sons who will be fathers themselves, the heads of Israel's 12 tribes. One of those sons is Joseph, of course, the Malvi adored favorite with a fancy coat. Joseph has the audacity to share his visions with his brothers, visions that seem to indicate that his brothers will at some point bow before him. The brothers are not thrilled with this scenario, so they try to do away with him, and he winds up being sold and enslaved in Egypt. His visions lead Joseph to rise in Pharaoh's favor. He foresees a devastating famine and helps Pharaoh plan ahead, thus saving Egypt as well as his own family. As one scholar mentioned this past week, Egypt is Egypt because of Joseph. I invite you to listen as I read the first part of our scripture from Exodus 1, verses 8 through 14. Now a new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. He said to his people, look, the Israelite people are more numerous and more powerful than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them or they will increase. And in the event of war, join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to oppress them with forced labor. They built supply cities, Python and Ramses for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread so that the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. The Egyptians subjected the Israelites to hard servitude and made their lives bitter with hard servitude in mortar and bricks and in every kind of field labor. They were ruthless in all the tasks that they imposed on them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'm guessing it has always been the case in human history the world over, but at least in my experience, baby naming in the southern U.S. rivals the most rigorous Olympic sport. We work arduously to connect our children with their family and to help them forge an identity of their own. I grew up in a family full of women named Eleanor. At one point, I confronted my parents because I felt I had gotten the short end of the stick with a name that sounded a bit like Eleanor, but was only five letters long and with two measly syllables. They smiled sweetly and said that they wanted me to have a name that was all my own. And it was connected to both sides of the family. All the Eleanors were on my mother's side. So there was an Ellen Crawford back there somewhere on my dad's side. And my mom was somehow distantly related to Ellen Douglas, one of the main characters in Sir Walter Scott's poem, The Lady of the Lake. They added an S to the end of Douglas so that my middle name matched my great-grandmother's maiden name. That's a lot for 21 letters and six syllables to carry. But it's a bit more graceful on the tongue than Doflo. The nickname they came up with had they decided to name me after two of their beloved grandmothers, Doris and Florence. 
Yes, blessedly, Ellen, it was, and Ellen, it shall be. It's striking that Pharaoh does not know Joseph's name. Because of Joseph, Egypt is saved. And because of Joseph, the Hebrews are saved as well, thriving and growing into not simply a few children of Jacob's sons, but a people great in number, just as God had promised Abraham generations before. And this frightens Pharaoh. He convinces himself that the people who had at one time been the source of Egypt's saving grace are now a threat. His plan to crush them with harsh treatment and hard labor only serves to help them grow in number. He decides to have the male children killed at birth, enlisting midwives, Shifra and Pua. Scripture tells us that these two women resist, and the Hebrews continue to grow in number. When Pharaoh orders that the people take it upon themselves to kill the boy children, we are told of a mother who hides her baby boy in a basket praying that the little ark will float him to safety. He's rescued and adopted by Pharaoh's daughter, who names him Moses, not for anyone in particular, but because she drew him out of the water. Moses is raised as a royal and then flees to the wilderness after killing an Egyptian guard who had been beating an enslaved Hebrew. I invite you to listen as we pick up our story there at the end of Exodus 2. After a long time, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned under their slavery and cried out. Their cry for help rose up to God from their slavery. God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God looked upon the Israelites and God took notice of them. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Mount Horeb, which would later be known as Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, come no closer, remove your sandals from your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppress them. Now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? 
He said, I will be with you and this shall be the sign for you that, that, that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. But Moses said to God, if I come to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said further, thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, thus you shall say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And this is my title for all generations. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So Moses is a bit hesitant, to say the least. When a bush bursts into flame while he's out minding his own business, he turns aside. He turns away. This is not for me, this shepherd, formerly known as an Egyptian prince, seems to say. And then God calls his name. Moses. Moses. I imagine Moses looking around and wondering, me? But he's the only human for miles, so yes, God is calling him. God knows his name, and God knows what God wants Moses to do, what God needs Moses to do. Now, one would think that God could just intervene directly and set things straight. And yet... That is not how the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob chooses to operate. Instead, God enlists ordinary human beings to participate in God's work of saving and redeeming the world. Moses hems and haws a bit and then asks, If I come to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? I love that Moses begins with if. From the get-go, he is negotiating with God. That alone is a gutsy move, but then he has the nerve to ask God's name. And God answers, I am who I am. Now, if you were reading along in your pew Bible, you notice that the words are in all caps. We're told not to type things in all caps these days, right? But it's not that God is yelling the name. Instead, the translators want to be very clear that this name is something extraordinary, a name beyond all other names, a name that speaks to God's being holy other. Our Jewish siblings will usually say the Lord or Hashem, which means the name in Hebrew to avoid saying God's name aloud. Tradition has many names for the one God, of course, and yet this is the name God gives God's self. So it is a name unlike all the rest. When my friends and I were having children, I remember someone suggesting that it might be a good idea to practice saying possible names out loud. To listen for how the name sounded when we called her inside for dinner or when she was in trouble, middle name included, of course. Never dawned on us to listen for how it would sound when God called out to her. 
I'm not sure Moses could have imagined how his name sounded in God's voice before he stood in his bare feet in front of those mesmerizing flames. And yet when God calls, Moses seems to know that his life will never be the same. As you heard from Harris, today marks the beginning of our annual stewardship campaign. And in the next week or so, you'll receive a letter and a pledge card inviting you to prayerfully consider how to respond with your gifts in the coming year. And as you pray and wonder and think about how you might commit some of your hard-earned treasure to the work of God in and through this community in 2024, I would love for you to pause first and think how your name sounds in God's voice. Maybe you will hear God call much as a beloved teacher or coach who waves enthusiastically from across the room, remembering you as a student and glowing with pride over how you have turned out. Maybe God says your name with the voice of a devoted grandmother as she draws you in for a bear hug. Maybe God says your name like a friend you haven't seen for decades with a mix of giggles and tears. Or maybe God's voice sounds like a parent who calls to you with a fierce love born of long nights of teething and at least a few missed curfews. Make no mistake. On this day when we celebrate our connection in Christ with siblings around the world, there is work to do on the other side of the globe and in our own backyard and everywhere in between. There is peace to be waged. There are children to be housed and fed. There are divisions to be healed. There are communities to be repaired and relationships to be rebuilt. But first, before we even begin to listen for what God might be calling us to do or be or give, I want us to listen first for how God calls. For just a moment, close your eyes. Listen for the love and the power as God calls your name. Instead of Moses, Moses, hear God call your name not once, but twice. God is calling each and every one of us. It may be quieter than a whisper, and the voice may not come from a flaming shrub in your backyard. But God is calling you and me and them, not because we've done everything just so. Moses is on the run when God calls. He's on Pharaoh's most wanted list and doing his best to lay low and hide. And yet Moses is the very one God needs to do this work. So God calls him by name and God calls us too. God knows our names and God has holy and life-giving work for each of us and all of us to do in and for God's embattled and beloved world. Moses goes on to play a pivotal role in the life of the Hebrew people, of course. He will confront Pharaoh and lead the people through the wilderness to the very cusp of the promised land. All because the name above all names chooses to call Moses' name and promises to be with him 
through it all. That's the catch, of course. Moses does not prevail because Moses has magic powers or the perfect name. Moses prevails not because of who he is, but because of who God is. I am who I am. Moses is able to answer God's call because the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is and always will be. God cannot be contained. God cannot be defeated. And this God promises to be with Moses and with us always. No matter who we are, no matter what name we carry. The great I am who calls to us promises to carry us too. Always. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.